0: Turn to your neighbor and tell him, welcome to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle, baby. Some of you, that brought back memories. When we launched 51 weeks ago, it brought back memories from years ago, first of all. Um, I know it did me, but it even for some of you from 51 weeks ago... Uh, We played that riff when we opened Meadows Church. It's like our first weekend as a church, and here we are making an impact in our city, and that's what we opened the message with. That's what we opened the church with. And the reason we do that is because, A, I like Guns N' Roses, okay? But B, um, it is a jungle. And we live in a jungle, and it's crazy, but this is exactly why God would ordain and anoint and issue and send out and commission his church, because God has called the church to make a difference. And I, I love what Kendra reminding us about our, our one-year anniversary coming up next week, which we won't be here. Don't come here next week. We're going to Papio Fun Park to party, and it's going to be awesome, but we're going to celebrate today 51 weeks of what God is doing. And, and, and it is a jungle, and I remind us of that, and I, I'll take you back to the time when God laid it on our heart to plant a church in the Omaha area, and I think to myself, church, like, like the church is God's plan. It's not man's plan. It's God's plan, and church should be exciting. Church should be fun. People should want to go to church, but many people don't. Like the, one of the reasons we launched Meadows Church is because we want to get people excited about the bride of Christ. It's called the church, and but people aren't excited. Most people aren't. And I looked at stats a year ago, and I'll share some with you today just to bring it into context. Um, 20% of Americans go to church on a regular basis. So two out of 10 go to, think church is, you know, whatever. I'll go when, I, when it's convenient, right? 22% of Americans, um, 22% of Americans have a positive view of church. In other words, two, again, two out of 10 would say, when they hear the word church, they think something positive. Let me flip it. So eight out of 10 don't think anything positive when they hear the church. So if the church is God's plan, and we are the church, how are we gonna change that in, in the people that we're trying to reach? That's what I wanna look at. So again, when we launched, I did some research, we did research, we asked questions. Why aren't people excited about God's church? Why don't people wanna come on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night or whenever it is? And here were the reasons. Here were the top reasons why. Number one, church is full of hypocrites. It's true the person you're listening to right now, one of the biggest ones. Honestly. Yeah. You said that too quickly. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I am. So here's what I would say to that. You're right. The church is full of hypocrites, but so are a lot of other places outside the church. Okay. As long as there's people in the church, you're going to have hypocrites in the church. And I'll be so bold to tell you that I want all the hypocrites in church. I do. At least they're in, at least if they're in church, they're trying, right? They're trying. They're, they're seeking Jesus so we can complain about the hypocrites or we can say, fill them, God. Fill this church with hypocrites and let's watch what you do in their life. That's what I want to do. But, it, but you're right. The church is full of hypocrites. It is. Uh, the church, uh, I don't trust the church, somebody said, or more than one person said. Scandals, money issues, all that. Is that happening in the church? Yep. Again, I'll go back to what I said in the first, in, in the first point. There's issues in the church. There's people in the church. The people are the church. I don't have it all figured out. And and I'm guessing you maybe don't either. So you're gonna have issues. Are there are there money issues outside the church? Yes. Are there scandal outside the church? Yes, there is. Should there be less in the church? Yes, man. This is God's house. There should be. But I'm telling you, as long as people are the church, as long as following people like me and you are part of this body called the church, there's always a chance something could go down. I'm just, I'm just, but I get what people are saying. I get what they're saying. One was, I'm not into organized religion. What I would say to that is neither are we. Neither was Jesus. I'll talk more on that one later. The last two were the biggest ones by far. I didn't feel welcome in the church. I didn't feel welcome. When I walked in the church, I, 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 it felt clicky. It felt like, okay, that's that's for them, but it's not so much for me as a new person. This is, a lot of people feel this way. A lot of people feel this way. And this is, I'm, in fact, the welcome, this is one of the reasons that the welcome is one of our core values. It's one of our seven core values at the church because we want people to know, regardless of where you've been or what you've done or what you did last night or who you are with or what you looked at on your computer, we love you. And we not only want you here, we welcome you here and because God wants you here. So that's why we do everything we can, our host dream teams, um, our parking lot dream teams, our guest services dream team, everybody wants, our our mission is to make you feel welcome and loved. That's our mission because we, we want people to feel that. Right, otherwise it's a club. If we're doing it just for us, it's a club. Jesus didn't die for a club, he died for the church. So we want people to feel the love of Jesus, but you can't overdo it. I'm just gonna say it. You can actually overdo the welcome. I've, I've seen it happen. Church I, church I came from, um, they have a great welcome. But we had a, a guy on our host team that he overdid it. Like he hugged everybody that walked through the doors. Don't care if I know you. Don't care if I don't know you. He was full on like, I mean, we're talking, I'm talking hugging. Okay? It was uncomfortable. So I'm like, you can overdo it. I had to talk to him. True story. I had to talk to him. I said, listen, I know your heart's right. I know you love people. But not everybody likes to be, like, groped when they come through the doors. It's just weird. They don't like that. I, they just don't. And, and he looks at me and he says to me, he goes, he goes, in all sincerity, he looks at me and he goes, well, the Bible says we should actually greet our brothers and sisters with a kiss. I said, my God, you're not doing that, are you? Are you kidding me? The fact that you even said that is the reason you have no friends. Stop saying stupid stuff like that. But the Bible says, The Bible also says don't be so weird that someone wants to punch you in the face, okay? It says that too. It maybe doesn't word it exactly like that, but my gosh, it should. So you can overdo. You're welcome, and it's awkward. It is awkward. You ever been in an awkward situation? I have. Like, like, I know you haven't, but I share. am going to share the story because I need to know that I'm not alone. Like, stuff happens to me. People say, like, you make your stories up. I don't have to make them up. You should just be. A, you got to be part of my life. A couple months ago, I'm at the library. It's where I do a lot of my studying for the messages. And I'm at the library. We're talking about awkward, not feeling welcome. And I, uh, I have to go to the restroom. So I go to the restroom. It's got only got one stall. So I go to the restroom and I go in the stall. And I'm not, I'm not going to go get to all the details, but you get it. I got to go to the bathroom. So I'm in the stall. And uh, I'll give kind of a visual. So I'm sitting there, and I sit down, and uh, immediately somebody comes in. And that's okay. That's normal. And you kind of look at their feet. It's just what you do when you're in there. You kind of just gauge who it is. And I look at these little feet, and it's a kid. And it's a kid walking in there, and he comes over, and he starts rattling on the door like crazy. I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's like, is someone in there? I'm like, Yep. Yep, someone's in here. So at that point, any normal kid or any normal person would leave and, and, and go find another restroom. There's a bunch of them in this building. Not him. He stands right by the door. I'm like, this kid's going to wait it out. And I'm like, okay, but that's not the awkward part. I'm not even there yet. This is what happens next. Unfortunately... The construction of this bathroom there there was a gap um in between the door and the wall of the stall so i'm like this huge gap and i look and i felt just this weird presence and i look up and there's this kid just staring right at me i mean just he's just staring at me and i look at him and i'm like are you where are your parents i mean do they teach you etiquette he's staring at me and i'm like what are you doing and then he says this can you hurry up i'm like what so you know what I did? I did what any red-blooded American would do. I got out my phone, and I said, you know what, it's going to be a while. And I got out my phone and I just start watching videos. I had a standoff with a 10-year-old kid in the bathroom. I mean, does this, I mean, who stares at somebody in the restroom like that? Casey, I know you've done it, but who else? You know? Um, geez, I don't, kid, that is awkward. Turn to your neighbor and say awkward. Awkward. It's awkward okay so the welcome you get it the last one and probably another big one people believe and think that church is a waste of time okay many of you have thought that some of you used, you might be thinking that right now as you listen to me preach but but bear with me bear with me um this was my story this is why i would leave the church at 18 years old i thought it was a waste of time time is valuable your time's valuable it's, it's one of those valuable things that god could give you is your time Like, it's fleeting all the time, right? So to spend an hour, hour and a half somewhere, boy, it better be doing something or whatever. Otherwise, people aren't going to want to do, they're not going to want to go. And me growing up in the church, I grew up in a Catholic church. And I went to Catholic grade school, went to church three times a week. And for me, at 18 years old, when I went to college, I left the church. Because why? I thought it was a waste of time. I thought it's not making a difference in my life. Right? And I'm not bad-mouthing the Catholic church at all. I mean, that's where I got my foundation for Jesus. There are incredible Catholic churches, incredible Protestant churches. I mean, I don't get into all that. I'm just telling you, for me, where I was, I thought, I ain't going. It's, it's, it's a waste of my time. That's what I thought. But I didn't get a lot of it, either. I didn't understand it. That was part of the problem. I'm like, I don't get what you're doing. Why, why do we, like, why when the priest says, we're gonna sing out of the hymnal, and he says, we're gonna sing uh, verses 1, 2, and 4. and I'm like, I, I was like, What about verse three? Like, what's wrong with verse three? And I read verse three. I'm like, what don't they want me to know? I couldn't even, I mean, I'm like, there's nothing in here. Why would we skip this verse? Didn't get it. Why are we kneeling and then standing and then sitting and then standing and then kneeling and then standing and sitting and standing? I'm like, if I want this much exercise, I'll join a gym. Come on. I don't get it. But the one part about growing up in the church is I, I, I look forward to the first communion. As a 10 year old kid, a boy, I'm like, something cool about getting to drink wine. I'm like, I get to drink the wine. We get to drink the wine. We're all excited for our first communion. Because, you know, in, in the Catholic church, it's real wine. They mess around, it's real stuff. So I took, I remember taking that big gulp when I, when my first communion, took a huge gulp and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. It about killed me. It was so horrible. I'm like, did they brew this stuff in the basement? It was terrible horrible like it made Boone's Farm look like top shelf stuff and if you don't know what Boone's Farm is consider yourself lucky because it's horrible but but it'll get you drunk I mean that's why I drank it but anyway so what is the point the point is there's a lot of reasons why people don't go to church a lot of reasons why people would leave the church but what can the church be the only church you've known is the church that you've known the only church that you've ever known is the church you grew up in When people say to me, Pastor, we should do this type of music. We should set up this way. We should welcome this way. We should pray these prayers. Why they're saying that um, is because that's what they're used to. That's what they grew up with. But what can the church be? The church, we're in a series called Dream On. The church is God's dream and I think he's calling his church to dream again. That's what I believe with all my heart in this series. And So so this is what I want to do and this is my heart or our heart for Meadows Church. We want to be as close to The first church as we can. The first church was a church in Jerusalem. A guy named Jesus, when he died and rose three days later, miraculously, he would hang out for 40 days with his best friends and hang out and reveal himself to a bunch of people. And then he would ascend up into heaven like a miracle. I'm talking, he did it. He rose up into the clouds and he sent his Holy Spirit. And the first church began and if we ever are going to get it right, I, I think the closest model that we ever have to what God wants the church to look like is that church, right? Those people walked with Jesus. Those people literally ate with Jesus. They hung out with Jesus. They, they, they did life with Jesus, so, and they didn't get it all right either, but that's the closest model we have. So I keep going back to God's Word. I'm like, God, for Meadows Church, because that church was attractive in Jerusalem. That church was changing lives in Jerusalem, and I want this church to be like that church. I want us to change lives and reach people and do amazing things things in the name of god so i want to take you to that church because i want that to be our church if you have a bible or a mobile device go to acts 2 so acts 2 is right after the gospels matthew mark luke john in the new testament and then acts it's called acts because it's a book about action they, they were, it was no longer just hearing the word and coming to church checking off the list man it was action we're going out we're going to be the church that's what it was all about acts 2 verse 42 And if you don't have uh, a Bible, we're going to throw it up on the screen as well. But this this is the very first church now. Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit, which is Jesus in spirit form. And Jesus now is up in heaven with God, but his spirit is everywhere. And it's hovering over the believers. And in verse 42, check this out. This is the first church. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Let me rephrase it. All the believers devoted themselves to the God's word, to God's church, to life groups, and they wrapped it all in prayer. That's what they did. This is what the first church did. That's just the first verse. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Not Jesus, but the church performed miracles, miracles. This is the power of Jesus. Did you know the same power then is the same power that we have access to now? That's what's cool about Jesus. It's amazing what he wants to do in and through you. It says all the believers, and he's, now he, we've heard all three times, okay? Not not 20% of the believers, like the stats we heard about, but all. But we can't expect people just to flood to the church if we do what we've always done. We've got to get radical like the first church if we're going to reach God's people. He keeps saying all. Not the people that just had nothing better to do on a Sunday morning, but all. And when all showed up, God showed up. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Say shared. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Say shared. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared. Say shared. shared. They did a lot of sharing. Their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while they did it, they praised God and enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. And guess what God did? He added to their number every day those that were being saved. This is the first church. You want to talk about a movement? You want to talk about a radical Man, you want to talk about revival? This was the first church. Let me sum it up for you. I I like to give you a main point almost every week. Like, I'll rarely preach points that are like seven or eight points because most people don't remember any of them and it's overwhelming. You don't do nothing. But if I give you something that you hold on to, something that you can remember, something that you can own, uh, this is that. When we share with others, because you heard the word share, and we care for others, in the name of Jesus, our world will change. Our world will change. I, I think I forgot to give you the title. Tell three people around you, tell, tell them the title. Change the world. Change the world. Uh, ultimately, God's, God would commission his church. That's what they're supposed to do. They're not just supposed to show up and sing songs, hear a message, and go, go out to eat and live their life. Okay, that's not the church. That, that, that might be a little part of it, but it's not the full context of the church. The church was, was ordained by God to change and save the world through his son Jesus. This is the church. When we share with others and we care for others in the name of Jesus, our world will change. It's funny because I, I put that uh, main point together, or God gave it to me, and I wanted to cut it. Because you want main points, tight, succinct, so you can remember it, so you can own it. So almost the shorter the better sometimes. So I'm like, God, can't we just take out in the name of Jesus? Because they get it. It's a church. It's Jesus. You know, we, we understand that, God. So can't it be just we share with others, we care for others, and the world will change? And God's like, no, 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 just put in the name of Jesus. And I'm like, it seems redundant, but I'll do it because that's what he told me to do. More on that later. It's crazy how God, how God moves. So as I give you the main point, let's reflect on 51 weeks um, that Meadows has existed. Many of you have shared with others, right? You have. One of the number one things you shared is the most valuable thing you can share. It's your faith and your story. Your faith and your story. I've said it before. We can debate the Bible. We can debate theology. But you can't debate a changed life. You can't do it. So when you share your faith and your story, that's the number one way to to get people intrigued about your church or your faith or your Jesus is your story. And if Jesus hasn't done something in your life, man, keep showing up. Keep taking steps towards him because it's impossible to get close to him and not change. That is impossible. Okay? That is impossible. So you've shared and you've cared. Many of us mentor in the schools now through teammates. Meadows has started to do that. If you have questions, come see me. I'll show you how to do it. Many of you have joined life groups. By the way, our life groups through this series, we've grown from one, and then we had six, and then we have nine. Now we've multiplied to 12 life groups in the church. This is so exciting because the life group, a life group is the purest form of the church. It is. So, man, that's a next step if you haven't checked that out yet. They're so incredible. I, I wish I could share all those stories, but let me tell you, a quick recap of what's happened over the last 51 weeks. Uh, they've served at the Open Door Mission. They've served at retirement communities. They've served veterans. They've served homeless people. This is all happening through life groups, by the way. So many things that maybe you don't know that's going on in your church. So they're, they're, they're sharing and they're caring. And is God adding, adding to our number of those that were being saved? I don't know. You tell me. We've gone from zero people to 84 people that have given their lives to Christ in this church. 84 people. 84 people. This excites me so much. Now, can we get better at caring and sharing? Yes, we can. My gosh, sharing is not a natural thing that I do. It's not. Ask my wife. We order dessert. I tell her, honey, you come at my dessert, I'll put a fork right through your hand. I'll do it. Don't be doing that. Don't you get your own dessert? And you know, and I want to bite of yours though, because so you know how it goes. So sharing it does not come natural. But but This first church, they they cared and they shared like no other. But this is why City Serve Next Week is so crucial, that we show up there and we just share our story and we just share our time and we just share letting others um, share their story with us and we care for people at Papio Fun Park, five organizations that we're gonna love, five organizations that don't have opportunities like you have right now because they're going through something that we can't even probably understand. But they're gonna show up and have everything for free. And the free part's just the minor thing. The major thing is they get to enjoy you, in the church, and you're gonna love them like no one's ever loved them before, and they're gonna feel like royalty because that's who God says they are. I can't wait till next week. I can't wait till next week. But you know what's crazy about next week? As I think about it, um, I my number one strength finder is a learner. I am a learner. It's all I I I I do it overkill. Like I'm reading five books right now, you know, and I don't know which one's up right now. It's just crazy. But I'm a learner. That's who I am. And uh, as we prepared to plant Meadows Church, um, I was reading church planting books. And how, how do I do it? Who's doing it right? And who's, who's doing this? And what do we do? And this and that. Because there's so much that goes into it. Just like, just like starting any business. It's just a lot. And I'm reading them. And one of the things a church planting book would never tell you to do is leave your, leave your environment on a Sunday morning and, and not be there. It would say not do. It tell you don't do that. Don't ever leave where you're at because this everything revolves around this. This is where we build our excitement and our energy, and we had a lot to go be the church. So it would say you never just leave this and go to Papio Fun Park and hang out there because you're still trying to reach a lot of lost people. You're trying to reach new people. They're going to come here next week, you know. So you don't do that. And every church planning book would say don't do what we're going to do next week. But you know what? The more that I studied God in the first church, the more I'm seeing that that they didn't really care about the what, what what's right or what's wrong. They cared about loving people. Th- that's what they cared about. So I, I at the end of the day, I really don't care what the textbook says. I care what his book says. And his book says share and care and love others and the world will change because it will. And that's what we're going to do. The, the first church wasn't content on just showing up for church every week and checking it off the list. I've been there did that most of my life. They weren't content on it. Did you hear what I read? They met daily. They shared daily. They cared daily. They read the word daily. And God added to their number daily those that were being saved. Why? Why? Because, they, because the, the reality of the risen Son of God was true to them. So, so they weren't content on just be, or going to church. They were hell-bent on being the church. And that's the church that I want to be. That's the church that I hope that you want to be. We got to keep going. I gave you some of Acts 2. I'm going to jump to Acts 3. I'm not jumping, actually. This is, this is right after the last verse I read you, which said the Lord added to the number of those that were being saved. The very next verse is Acts 3, chapter, or chapter 3, verse 1. This is what it says. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon. So Peter and John are going to church. They're going to go take part in some prayer. As they approach the church or the temple... A man, lame or crippled, from birth, so all of his life, was being carried in. Each day, say each day. Each day, wow. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one that was called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people that were going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money, which I'll guarantee you this guy asked for almost every day that he was at that temple. Every day he would ask for money. And so many times we think money is the answer. And I'm not anti-money. I'm like, God bless me with it. I'll do something great with it, I promise. Just trust me. You know? But I'm telling you, it, and, and he got money from people. But think about what the man needed. He was lame, spiritually and physically. And the very thing that he was asking for couldn't help him either way. It's so, this is what we say, God's plans are always better than what we ask for or what we want. They are. So, this, so the guy's asking for something he doesn't even need at this point. And God says, I have so much more. And Peter and John know it. Verse 4. Peter and John looked at the man intently. I like that. Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand, helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, began to walk. And then he was walking and leaping and praising God, and he went to the temple with them. I love that. See, when we care with others and we share with others in the name of Jesus, our world will change. Do you think that man's world changed that day? It did. Trust me, his world was completely changed. His world was completely changed. So much so that I love his response. He immediately jumps up and he praises God. And he runs to the church. I love it. See, I would make every excuse in my life not to go. I told people, God, and a stranger why I couldn't go to church, why I wouldn't go to church. But here's something I do know. When you've been impacted personally by Jesus Christ through his church, when you've been touched by Jesus through his church, when he's worked a miracle in you or your family, you will not only run to that church, you will beat down the doors of that church to get in and see what your God is gonna do next in your life. That's what you'll do. That's why he's excited. He was crippled all his life until the spirit of the church touched him. It was the church. I mean, it, it was Jesus, but through the church. Peter and John were the church. More on that. we got to keep reading. I just thought of something. He's so excited about what, what, what Jesus did in his life. And I'm looking at some of you, and I, I, I know some of your stories. And your stories are powerful. I said that earlier. Many of you, you you've been changed like that through the church. I, I, and many of you, this guy, how excited he is about church, I love that. Because some of you, some of your emails and messages to me or to our, to our church... You know what you've told me and told us? I haven't, been, I haven't been excited in church in years. Like I can't remember the last time I wanted to actually come to church. But I want to now. I can't remember the last time I was even engaged in church. But, 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 I'm, I, but I'm, I'm kind of understanding it now. So many of you have sent these messages and they're so valuable. Keep sending your stories. We love them because we celebrate them. Because you're, you're God's people. And he loves to change life. But so many of you, your lives have been changed through the church. And as your lives are changed, excitement's going to happen. We're always going to be a church that's pretty upbeat and fun. We always will be. Guns and roses. I mean, who does that? We do that. And we're going to do more stuff like that. Because I don't know what the church is supposed to look like besides what I see in the first church. And they had fun. And they partied. And lives were changed. Church didn't look like a funeral. It looked like a party because they had something to celebrate. They did. So why can't we have fun? Why can't we get amped up? I want to. This is God's bride. What's he want to do? I love it. And some people are going to think we're crazy. Right? They're they're going to think we're weird. We're going to get criticized as a church as we grow. Right? We're going to get called a cult maybe sometimes. But you know what? The more I thought about that, if you're not called a cult every once in a while, you're probably not doing squat for Jesus. So welcome to Meadows Church. Kool-Aid's in the back. Help yourself. Okay? Gosh. Gosh people call things a cult because sometimes you're just so fun and great that you don't know what's going on but the sad thing is there's so many churches that are dead and boring and and I'm not bad-mouthing any specific church but my gosh why can't we get excited about the word of God why can't it come alive for us like it did for them why would I think God looks at a, a church maybe that isn't excited about his word and says what are you doing you've got the best news in the world my son died and rose for you. And you're down there, humdrum, reading the word, do this, do that. Come on! That's what he says. He wants us to get excited about his church. A cult, yeah, whatever. So anyway, so, okay, let, let me take you. So, so Peter and John have just done a miracle in the crippled man's life, right? That was Acts 3. Now let's go to Acts 4. That caught a lot of attention. They were probably called cult leaders at the time. They, they, they actually got arrested because what they did for the man. Because that's what religion will do, by the way. See, religion, I talked about earlier. I'm not into religion, neither are we. The religious people were the ones who just arrested John and Peter. The religious ones are the ones that will miss the miracle because of their ministry, right? That's the religious people. have no desire, no desire. They miss the miracle, it's so crazy. The religious people arrest John and Peter. So in Acts 4, I'm gonna give you the seventh verse and a few after that. This is what it says. They're in front of the religious people, the pompous people, right? The, the, the robed out people, the tasseled up people, the people that knew how to pray, that had the scholars, that memorized the Bible, that had their life all together so they would make it appear. They brought in the two disciples, John and Peter, and they demanded, and now check this statement out, by what power or in whose name have you done this? See, this is key because and this is what God showed me, why we have to go in the name of Jesus in the main point. Because did you know that that was a valid question? We would think, well, of course we know whose power it is. It's Jesus. I mean, they healed a guy. He was crippled, and now he's not crippled. That's Jesus. But did you know Jesus isn't the only one who performed miracles? Okay? Satan performed miracles. They knew it. These guys knew the scriptures. They didn't know that. God's not the only one who's got some power. So and, and, and the last thing they're thinking is Jesus. Trust me. They killed Jesus about three months earlier. See, they, they saw him dead on a cross. They drained the fluid out of his body. They knew he was dead. They put him in like a tomb. They saw he was dead three months earlier. So they know it's not Jesus. So they're saying, in whose name or in whose power? Because they know there's power out there. They know Satan's real. Have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, which is filled with Jesus Christ in spirit form, so powerful, said this to them. Mind you, Peter, they are on, the, on the chopping block, just like Jesus was. What the, these people had the power to kill him. And this is what Peter says. Rulers and elders of our people. Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how this guy was healed? Do you? Like, do you want to know how he is healed? Do you want the truth? You want the truth? You can't. Sorry, sorry. Just get excited. So, but they couldn't handle the truth. They couldn't handle it. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, this is the same group that that Jesus did a trial with, called the Sanhedrin, which is a very uh, elite group of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They couldn't handle the truth, but Peter spells it out. Listen, you want to hear it? You want us to tell you? Peter, I love it. Let me clearly state it for all of you. Not just all of you, but all of Israel. That he was healed by the powerful name, say name, of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. And by the way, that's the basis for Christianity, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For Jesus is the one referred to in scriptures. Now, now Peter's going to quote Old Testament. The stone that the builders rejected, which is Jesus, has now become the cornerstone. The cornerstone of any building is the foundation. Pull up the cornerstone, the building falls. That's why Jesus is called that. And, and trust me, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they would know that scripture. They would know what he's quoting. They're, and then Peter, I love it. There is salvation in no one else. Not not Muhammad, not Allah, not Confucius, no one, no other God, nothing. Jesus Christ is the way, is the truth, and is the life. And he says there's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name, say name, under which heaven by which we must be saved. Verse 13, the members of the council were amazed at the boldness of these men who they could have killed like that. How do you speak in such a way? For they could see, these are no ordinary men. I love it. I love that statement. With no special training in the scriptures. In other words, the Sanhedrin, these religious folks, are looking at, at, at Peter and John and thinking, you're so ordinary. Like there's nothing special about you. And God's up there saying, that's what you think. That's what you think. And I could just see Peter and John standing there, you know, piece of straw hanging out of their mouth. Yeah, Jesus. You know, nothing ordinary about them. Just these, Just these weird ordinary, less than ordinary dudes. But aren't you grateful that God would use the less than ordinary to do the extraordinary through his church? That excites me so much. And that's what God is doing here. He's doing an extraordinary work through these guys. We send out message clips um, of our message throughout the week, and we want to inspire you, not just on a Sunday morning, but we just believe the church should kind of last throughout the week, and that we should live it out. So we send you these clips to inspire you and help you share your faith with other people. One of the clips we did a month ago got uh, to my, to my hometown in South Dakota and one of my old friends saw the clip and I haven't talked to him in years and he reaches out to me on messenger and he says I cannot believe what God is doing through you and I thought to myself neither can I trust me dude I can't believe it either and he says I can't believe it and I'm sure he's watching the clip thinking isn't this the guy that I used to bong beers with and I'm like yep and we were good at it like we grabbed that silo right it was great it was great. I mean, now I actually use my car keys to, to drive a car. I mean, who would have thought? But but back then it was different. Anyway, um, not that you don't know how to do that. I, I'm looking at you guys. Um, so he he gets a hold of me and he says, "I want what you have," because he's 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 in addiction. He's struggling. And I and I texted him back. I said, "You know what? You want what Jesus has." I'm still pretty jacked up, but I'm telling you, if you get close to Jesus, he'll change your life. He saw it and he wanted it. And he thought if there's hope for me and if there's hope for you, there's hope for him. And there is, and there is. I love it, a changed life. So they're amazed at what they're hearing Peter and John say, but not only were they amazed, but they would speak in the name of Jesus. They would have been appalled by that. To hear the name of Jesus, again, we murdered your your friend Jesus. We killed him ourselves. He was dead, He's, he's dead, he's in the tomb. It's, it's over. That would, that, that would appall them so much to hear that. They want to hear anything but his name. And now you're telling me he's alive? What? And Peter's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's alive. He's alive. Not only is he alive and with us, but now he's in us. So now you're not only dealing with, with just one person, but you're dealing with an army called the church that's not waiting on a move of God, but now they are a move of God. That's what Peter said to him. He's moving in them. Peter's like, "You can't stop what Jesus is doing." I want people to say that about our church. I don't know what God is doing there. They look like a bunch of ordinary people, less than ordinary people, but I don't understand it. God's hand is on that church. God's hand is doing something supernatural and lives are being changed. I want that so desperately for our church. Peter and John are the church caring and sharing in the name of Jesus and the world is changing around them. They weren't into religion they were into a relationship with people that didn't know Jesus. What, what was crazy? Our kids are having a good time over there. I don't know if you can hear that, but I love our kids' ministry. I love that. See, when I was a kid, there was no screaming. My mom would swap me alongside the head. Don't be doing that. And, uh, you know, but I, that I just reminds me. I love a church where kids can go and have fun and scream and play. My gosh. If we, get, if we get kids on fire for Jesus and they actually associate the church with something that's actually fun, think of how they can change the world. They love, they'll fall in love with Jesus. They'll fall in love with this church, right? And, and hopefully they'll lose their voice in there and then you won't have to hear them later today. I mean, there's all kinds of wins. So gosh, I love it. I love hearing kids just go crazy in there. Warms my heart. Something that I don't want you to miss as we get ready to close out the message is this. Back to the crippled man that was by the temple for 40 days, they would put him in a heap, just like a heap of flesh, throw, throw him there, give him a can, let him beg. How many times did the religious people walk by that guy? The Bible says that he was crippled all of his life. It says over 40 years. Thousands of times they would walk by him. Thousands of times. I'm sure make fun of him maybe. Oh, oh, if there's people around, I'm sure they'd flip him a quarter or something. Because if people are watching, I'm going to make sure you see me put some money. I'll give you some money. Oh, I'm sure they would even pray with him, but people got to be around to see it and watch it. I'm going to pray a big showy prayer so you can see how religious I am. I could give a crap about you, but look at us, religion. Religion points at us. The gospel points at Jesus. How many times did the but Peter and John, going to church that day, they had an agenda that day. This guy interrupted their agenda, but they had the time to stop him and love him, care with him and share with him, and he's changed. They stopped. They took the time from going to church to be the church. This is city serve next week. This is why we want to do this next week. This is why we're not even going to meet here next week. Makes no sense to the textbooks. Don't care. Don't care. They didn't make sense what they did. A lot of things they did didn't make sense to me. But it sure seemed to to change lives and help people fall in love with Jesus. And that's what we want. So let's close it out with Acts 4, 16 through 20. They're still in front of the religious council. And the council is looking at these two looking at Frick and Frack, right, Peter and John, like, oh my God, you're kidding me. And they literally say, what are we going to do with these guys? What are we going to do with this, get these guys, they asked each other. We can't, I love it. We can't deny they performed a miraculous sign. Everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. That's a crazy statement. We can't, we can't deny that you, like, healed that man. But big deal. We're not going to worry about that. We're just going to forget about that. We're going to try to just stop the message. Don't get it we can't deny what they've done and what jerusalem knows but we need to keep them from spreading their propaganda their their cult We need to stop it before it goes any further. We must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name. Again, there's Jesus' name. God, there's power in the name of Jesus. I hope when you pray, you pray in the name of Jesus. When you rebuke the devil out loud, you can do it in the name of Jesus and know that there's power in that. So they called the apostles back. They called Frick and Frack back into the room, and this is what they said. We command you. We command you to never again speak or teach in the name of Jesus. That's crazy. They even know the power in the name of Jesus. The devil knows the power and the witness of the church. And he'll do anything to get us to shut up and not tell people about your church or what your God and your Jesus is doing in your life. But I love what Peter and John say. Let's, take, let's bring this home. You think God wants you to obey us? or obey, obey you, excuse me, rather than him? Like, they're like, are you kidding me? And then he says it. We cannot stop telling others. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We can't stop telling others about what we have seen and heard. We won't stop. Like you can threaten us. You can beat us. You can torture us. But we won't stop telling others about what we have seen and heard. Because when we share in the name of Jesus, and we care in the name of Jesus, and our king Jesus is lifted up, lives and the world will change for the better. You can't stop telling others about what we have seen and heard. This is what they said. And let me tell you, did the world change in the first church? You tell me. In a matter of days, the church would go from 120 people to ten to 15,000 in days. What I didn't didn't read with you before, Acts 2.42, they preached the first church message. The first church message was 120 people gathered, similar to what we're looking at right now. They were gathered in a room when Jesus would send his Holy Spirit. These 120 believers, remember all the believers, 120? They were messed up, just like you and me. They were addicted. They were depressed. They were struggling. They had fights with their family. They had loneliness in their heart. They, they, they were scared. A lot of them were lonely, and they were a mess. But they were God's church. So, so, so they preached the first church message, and the Bible says that 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ. So the church has grown, gone from 120 to 3,120. In verse 4, it says, by, by verse 4, after the miracle happened outside those gates with that crippled man, in verse 4, it says that it went from 3,120 to 5,000 men. Just the men they're counting there. So that tells us there's ten to 15,000 people in the church. Think about that. Think about the ministry. I'm telling you, a church that is caring and sharing for people, church growth will be the least of our worries. It'll be the least of our worries. Church growth is a byproduct of a healthy church because healthy things grow. If a church isn't growing, it's a sign of unhealth. Something is poisonous. Something isn't working. Because trust me with all my heart when I tell you that Jesus Christ wants his church to grow. He died so it would grow and people would would be reached by his power and through his name. This is what God does. The church is God's dream. The church is God's dream and God is calling his church to dream again. What can the church be? I don't know what it's supposed to look like, Jesus, but I do know you probably want it to look a lot like maybe the first church cuz you walked with them and you ate with them and you talked with them. So let's go back to that church. Let's dream again. I love a church that doesn't have it all together. I love a church that takes broken people from broken places and we can learn to dream on dream again a church that can go from guns and roses to aerosmith and not miss a beat i love that church because i don't know what the church is supposed to look like besides what jesus tells us through his through his church dream on church just isn't about a building but it's about a people It's about you. You're the church. You matter desperately to God. If you don't know that walking through these doors this morning, I hope you do now. Any minute, Stephen Tyler's gonna come walking through those doors. And I'm not gonna sing, so you don't need to worry about that. I love it. I gotta be vulnerable with you as we close out the message and tell you that The most attractive thing to me in this story is the fact that God would choose us. Could God have reached down to that man that was crippled and just touched him and healed him? Could he? Yeah, he could have. Why wouldn't he? But God would choose these these ordinary, less-than men to throw his power through them to work through him. This is the church. God has chosen you, he wants to do a work in your life and in my life. The first line of the song, Dream On, every time I look in the mirror. Can, can I tell you about every time I look in the mirror sometimes? I don't like what I see. Even today as your pastor, there's days I look in the mirror and I'm like, I, I'm not the leader for this church. I can't, I, I'm not the guy. God keeps sending me in to, to do it and I keep telling him no and but, but it's not even just the church, it's even leading a family. I don't know, maybe you don't struggle like I do. There are times I can preach a message on a Sunday morning and tell you about the love of Jesus, literally. And then go home and yell at my kids for something they don't deserve to get yelled at. And then I'll go and I'll look in the mirror myself and say, not only are you, are you you're, you're, you're leading people. You can't lead your family every time I look in the mirror, I struggle because I, because I struggle with depression. I struggle with some anxiety. As a pastor, I'm like, God, I don't want that. And here's what I know about you. You may not struggle with the same things I struggle with, but you struggle. And maybe when you look in the mirror, you don't like what you see. And maybe when you look in the mirror, you think to yourself, why do I keep doing the things I do? Why do I keep speaking the way I speak? Why do I show up for church on Sunday, but then on Monday, you don't see no Jesus in me? My coworkers, I, I I'm the one leading the charge and gossiping or 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 slander or whatever. If that's you, I can relate. A broken church with broken people. But I've always said a church without broken people is a broken church. I'm broken. And maybe you are too. And maybe you don't look like what you see when you look in the mirror, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. As you beat yourself up when you look yourself in the mirror, Jesus looks at you and says, That's my chosen that's my person that I've called to change the world. I want to do a work in her, and I want to do a work in him, and I want to change you from the inside out. If you keep seeking him like that, he will use you to do supernatural things, things that you aren't equipped to do. Think about Peter. Peter was Jesus's best friend. There was a time when Jesus actually called Peter Satan. He was so mad at him because he was getting in Jesus's way in his ministry. I've been called a lot of things, but i've never been actually i think i have been called satan so that but i can relate to peter i can relate to peter peter would deny jesus 3 times peter would deny jesus 3 times a few months earlier i don't know the man once i don't know the man twice i don't know the man thrice 3 times and the third time they said he cursed and said said vehemently i don't know the man The next day, his best friend, his teacher, his Lord, would hang dead on a cross. And Peter would probably be there that night, looking in a mirror, bawling. I'm less than. I'm not worthy. I'm worthless. He trusted me, and I let him down. I I, I can never get things right. I've screwed up time and time again. And Jesus looks down at him and says, I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. If you forget, or maybe you don't know, Peter was the man. The guy who betrayed Jesus, he was the man who would preach the first church message and 3,000 people would be saved from their sins. That was Peter. Acts 3, we read it together today. It was Peter. When the crippled man asked for money, it was Peter that said, silver or gold, I don't have, but I'll give you what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ get up and walk. And in Acts 4, when they beat him and told him, don't preach anymore, it was Peter who boldly declared in the name of Jesus Christ, you're healed in the name of Jesus. That was Peter. And if God can do it in Peter, he can do it in us. He takes ordinary, unqualified people. So today, if you're feeling unqualified, if you're feeling less than, know that you are exactly who Jesus is looking for. That's who it is. It's you. It's you. We're believing something today in our church. If God did miracles like that, then he can do it again. That's what we're believing. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus or you don't know, he wants to meet you here today. We are his church. We are his church. You are his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. God I thank you for your movement in this place today God as we prepare to lift up a word to you and lift up music to you God I lift up everybody in this place who feels less than who looked in the mirror this morning or last night or last week and they thought I'm not a good parent I've been there you know that God I'm not a good dad I'm not a good mom I'm not a good spouse a follower of Jesus are you kidding me I'm not a good coworker. I, I, I'm not who they think I am. God, for the people that is, are feeling that right now, God, let them know that you're looking at them right now saying, I choose you. I love you. You're what I died for. You're unqualified. You're depressed. You're anxious. You're worried. And I love you. And I love you. And I love you. And I want to use you. And I want to change you. And I want to do something through you that, oh, oh if you could see it. Oh, if you could dream it. The plans that I have for you, says the Lord, they're good. They are great. The church is God's plan to save his people through his son, Jesus Christ. And we're believing in this church, and we're going to continue to declare it, that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says... Hey, wherever you are, thanks so much for joining us today. We are so glad that you did. And if this blessed you in any way, man, we would love for you to subscribe to this channel, follow us on social media, and stay connected with us. And let me say most importantly, if you are ready to give your life to Christ or you want to make a decision for Jesus today, we would love it, man. Connect with us. Contact us at hello at meadows.church. Again, hello at meadows.church. Let us know what God is doing in your life and know this, God loves you